Hello, my friends. Welcome to Hope for Your Heart. This is Pastor Calvin Corbett. So glad that you're joining us. And on the broadcast today, I'm going to be sharing with you lessons from Gideon. We're going to be looking at Judges chapter 7 and 8. So we'll kind of be all over the place in those two chapters. And though this will be a two-part broadcast. So join me tomorrow as we give you part two of the message, okay? In a survey of 2,000 Americans on the subject of gratitude, 80% agreed that receiving gratitude makes them work harder. But only 10% managed to express gratitude to others every day. So thanks, whether sent up or down or sideways, was rarely heard. The Wall Street Journal reports that being appreciated is one of the great motivators on the job. It's even better than money. Researchers at the London School of Economics analyzed more than 50 studies that looked at what gets people charged up at work. They concluded that we give our best effort if the work gets us interested and excited. If we feel that it's providing meaning and purpose, and if others appreciate what we're doing, we are more productive. Two business professors designed a study in which they asked professionals to advise students about cover letters and how they should apply for jobs. Well, after receiving the suggestions, the students asked for help with another letter. Some 32% of the professionals agreed. But when students added one single line to their note about their first feedback, the simple line was, thank you so much, I'm really grateful. A full 66% of the advisors agreed to help them again. That simple expression, that simple gratitude, doubled the response. So when we look at the life of Gideon, when we look at reputation versus character. A reputation is who others think I am. Character is who I really am. I want to look at some values today that we learned from the life of Gideon that will help us to be better people. And when I think about this subject, I'm not interested in changing what others think about you. I'm not interested in changing what others think about me. I'm really interested in my character. Who am I really? When there's nobody around, who am I? What kind of character do I have? Now, in order for us to understand where we should go with this character issue, we got to look at it from God's perspective. Look at what God values versus what our culture values. So we're going to look at the life of Gideon. And here's the first thing that we're going to look at. In Judges chapter 7, verse number 2, it says, The Lord said to Gideon, Now, the people that you have with you, there's too many of them to go into the Midianites. And so you're going to boast if you have these men going into battle. So here we see we're jumping kind of ahead of the story, and then we're going to come back. Gideon is called out. He's a reluctant warrior, right? But he finally says, okay, we have been under the scourge of the Midianites long enough. And God is raising up an army, and Gideon had put together, with the help of God, a ragtag army of 32,000 men. And these men were somewhat concerned, but Gideon figured, okay, uh, maybe I can do this. With this army of 32,000, maybe I can go against the Gideonites. And then God says to him, now, wait a minute, this is too many, too many. (laughs) You're kidding, right? Even with 32,000. They were already outnumbered. 
four to one. You see, God doesn't operate on the basis of ratios. Here's my first point. God values quality more than quantity. Gideon and all of his men were camped by the spring of Harod, which means the spring of trembling. How appropriate. They're fearful. However, the Midianites, they weren't trembling. They weren't concerned at all. They knew that Gideon had put together this army of 32,000 men, but they weren't concerned about it. In fact, they were looking and they're seeing that Gideon is trembling. And as we look at this, Gideon is outnumbered, even with the 32,000. Did you know that we as humans are outnumbered? Yeah, we're outnumbered in relationship to insects. The ratio of insects to humans is 200 million insects to every human. Now I want you to know something. I didn't wake up this morning worried about the insects taking over the planet. Gideon had the odds stacked against him. Even with 32,000 men, he was outnumbered four to one. But what does God do? God says to Gideon, your army is too big. Verses 7 and 8, and the Lord said to Gideon, get it down to size, and we see it gets down to 300 men. With the 300 men who lapped, I will save you, and I will give the Midianites into your hand, and let all the others go, every man to his home. So the people took provisions of their hands and their trumpets, and then they sent all the rest of Israel, every man to his tent, but retained the 300 men and the camp of Midian was below him in the valley. What a fascinating story this is, right? Here we see that God is going to do something great with a greatly handicapped army. I mean, 32,000, and then down to 10,000, finally down to 300. You know, God sometimes uses us in our greatest moments when we are weak, because God is more interested in our character. You know, Beethoven wrote much of his great music when he was deaf. German composer and pianist Beethoven put a lot of classical music together and remains one of the most recognized and influential musicians of his time period and is considered to be one of the greatest composers of all times. But when Beethoven was in his early 20s, It was a problem that Beethoven at first began to dismiss, but he started to lose his hearing. And his health was never really considered to be robust, but by the time he was 45, Beethoven was completely deaf. And he was widely regarded as a great composer, but even after losing his hearing, he composed many of his greatest works. As he became more and more deaf, Beethoven grew profoundly depressed. Shortly before his death, Beethoven wrote these words. Oh, how harshly was I repulsed by the doubly sad experience of my bad hearing. I had thought of putting an end to my life. But something happened. Instead of taking his life, Beethoven persisted. He felt called to produce his art, and he would not quit. As his prison of silence grew quieter, he had to rely on an inner ear, a memory of sounds, 
All the odds were stacked against him. And so it would have turned out had it not been for something inside Beethoven that would not bend. You see, he would not quit. In the midst of his affliction, he wrote, There is no greater joy for me than to pursue the product of my art. Oh, if I were only rid of this affliction, I would embrace the world. But I will seize it by the throat. Most assuredly, it shall not get me wholly down. Beethoven continued to compose even after he became completely deaf. And as we look at how he worked everything together, the most enduring and the most beautiful works Beethoven ever conceived, and some of the greatest musical works of all time, were entirely created during this period when he was deaf. They included the Ninth Symphony. Now, truth be told, Gideon wanted to quit. You ever been there? You just want to quit. You know, I think about quitting every Monday. I think about it, but I don't do it. He needed some proof, right? He needed some proof that God was going to come through. Now, I want you to know, if your heart is sincere, and I honestly believe that Gideon's heart was in the right place, if your heart is sincere, God shows up. He knows how weak we are. He knows from time to time we need some extra confirmation. Well, Gideon got that confirmation through a very strange way, (laughs) through a barley loaf. Well, let's read this amazing account. Judges chapter 7. Here Gideon is making this decision uh, whether with 300 men he should go up against the Midianites and something miraculous precedes what happens. Judges chapter 7, it says, A round loaf of barley bread came tumbling into the Midianite camp. It struck the tent with such a force that it overturned the tent and it collapsed. This could be nothing other than the sword of Gideon, son of Joash, the Israelite. God had given the Midianites and the whole camp into his hands. <laughs> this is amazing. Here we see the Midianites says, uh-oh, uh, this is the hand of Gideon. Well, it was actually the hand of God. But here we discover God giving confirmation to Gideon. And I love it. Then the rest of the story, we continue on the rest of the story. The rest of the story is a little more popular than the barley loaf portion of the story. But when we get down to verses 22 and 23 of Judges chapter 7, we see that there were 300 trumpets that were sounded. And the Lord caused the men throughout the camp to turn onto each other with their swords. In other words, the Midianites got so confused They're thinking because of the loud sounds of these 300 trumpets that they are surrounded and they are outnumbered. And what do they do? They start fighting each other. It says that the army fled to Beth Shittah towards Zerath. And as far as the border of Abel Mahalah near Tabath, the Israelites from Naphtali, Asher, and Manasseh were called out and they pursued the Midianites. Verse number 24, Gideon sent them a messenger throughout the hill country of Ephraim saying, come down against the Midianites and seize the waters of the Jordan ahead of them as far as Beth Barah. It just blows my mind, right? Gideon had less than 1% of his original army. So God knew he needed some extra assurance. Gideon has a dream. What do you dream about? But you don't do because of fear. I'm reminded that my God 
shall supply all of my needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. If you think God's not providing enough, it's because you think you need something that you don't. You see, God's provision is never lacking. It's because we're looking at what you need through the eyes of human eyes, not his eyes. You see, God always works things out, and often in the most unusual ways. I read a fascinating story about a man by the name of David Horton. Well, David Horton decided that he was going to go to a Cincinnati Reds ball game with his girlfriend. And he knew when he went to this ball game that he was a wanted man. He had failed to appear in court for a drug charge. Well, as it happened, his parole officer also attended that very same game on May 7, 2003. Well, during the game, the man decided to give his girlfriend a smooch. And guess what? This kiss cam caught him. And he was displayed in front of 30,000 fans on the kiss cam. Well, everybody at the Great American Ballpark saw the kiss, including the parole officer. Well, before the night was out, the parole officer and the policeman arrested Horton, 24, as he was sitting in that front row seat. And out of all the coincidences, we had 30,000 people at the ballpark. And who did they put the kiss cam on? the one who was a fugitive running from the law. As you think about this, God can do the unbelievable because God works in mysterious ways. Who would imagine that Gideon would gain victory from the archenemy of the Midianites and get confirmation through a barley loaf rolling down and knocking a tent over and the blowing of trumpets and confusion ensuing with 300 men? God defeats the enemy. You see, when we think about God working, Gideon goes back and he wakes up and he gives worship to God for the victory uh, that he was receiving. Glorify God for his provisions in everything. Trust God for his victory in everything. Gideon's army was a fascinating army. As a matter of fact, we get some insight into this army in Judges chapter 7. Verses 19 and 21, and it says that Gideon and a hundred men with him reached the edge of the camp at the beginning of the middle of watch, just after they changed the guard. They blew their trumpets and they broke their jars that they had in their hands. The three companies blew the trumpets and they, they smashed the jars, grasping the torches in their left hands and holding it up in their right hands, the trumpet that they were to blow. And then they shouted, the sword of the Lord, and for Gideon. Well, each man held his position around the camp. All the Midianites ran, crying out as they fled. Now, as we think about this story, it's a fascinating story. Gideon celebrates. But even in this celebration, we discover that sometimes we can even get discouraged in our times of celebration. You see, sometimes we don't know how to live a life of victory. We've been defeated for so long that even when we're living in victory, we get discouraged. You know, I'm a diehard Boston Red Sox fan. You know, after my beloved team won the 2004 World Series, I tell you what, I was elated 
Finally, after 86 years, the Red Sox finally won the World Series championship. But you know, many of Boston's Red Sox fans struggled to adjust. A New York Times article chronicled their confusion by saying, having waited 86 years for a World Series championship, Bostonians found themselves swirling with elation, but also scratching their heads. What are the Red Sox fans to do when the angst of being one of the world's greatest underdogs is gone? One guy they interviewed, Mike Andrews, said, I'm having trouble dealing with it. Mike Andrews played second base for the Red Sox in 1967 when they lost to the Cardinals during one of the most closely but not so close victories, uh, one of those close but no cigar face-offs where they lost. And what do you think about it? What's next? You kind of caught saying, what's next? I don't want to say it's a letdown, but it's certainly something you let become part of your life. It's gone now, and we need to come up with something new. Well, Gideon has just been given this wonderful victory, and he's confronted by his brothers from the tribe of Ephraim. Now, that story is found in Judges chapter 8. But the question is, why this confrontation? Well, they felt left out. They felt left out against this fight with the Midianites. Now, if they were me, I'd say, uh, you know, we were enslaved for seven years under the hand of the Midianites, and you did nothing about it, yet you enjoyed the best of the victory. Gideon here is used as somebody who is leading his people into a new direction, but not everybody was happy about that. But thankfully, Gideon's character was strong. So we've learned so far today that God values quality more than quantity. Now, don't take that that he doesn't value quantity. He does. But if a choice must be made, over 300 righteous people or 32,000 half-hearted people, God will go with the 300 righteous every single day of the year. That's why when we think about churches, you know, I thank God for big churches. There are big churches that are healthy. There are small churches that are healthy. There are big churches that are unhealthy. There are small churches that are unhealthy. God is valuing the quality of the church. God is valuing the quality of your life. Do you have a character that is congruent with God himself? Well, here's the second thing we want to look at. False humility is just as destructive as genuine pride. Well, we're in Judges chapter 8. With the battle over against the Midianites, Gideon and his 300 men, they're exhausted. So they seek help from neighboring cities only to be denied. They move ahead, promising to return with a vengeance. Well, let's read the story, okay? Chapter 8, verses 22 to 27. The Israelites said to Gideon, Rule over us, you, your son, and your grandson, because you have saved us from the hand of Midianite. But Gideon told them, I'm not going to rule over you, nor will my son rule over you. The Lord's going to rule over you, he said. 
I have done one request that each of you will give me an earring from your share of the plunder. So Gideon says, I'm not going to rule over you. I'm going to have the Lord rule over you. I'm not going to be your king, but I do have one request. Give me an earring from your share of the plunder. Now, that was a custom of the Ishmaelites to wear gold earrings. They answered, well, we'll be glad to give them to you. So they spread out a garment, and each of them threw in a ring from his plunder, and the weight of the gold that he asked for came to 1,700 shekels, not counting the ornaments, not counting the pendants and the the purple garments worn by the kings of Midian or the chains that were on the camel's necks. Verse 27, Gideon made the gold into an ephod, which he placed in Ophrah, in his town. All of Israel prostituted themselves by worshiping it there, and it became a snare to Gideon and his family. So what's happening here? Gideon here is exemplifying false humility. Oh, don't make me your king. But he's taking all of these gold earrings and he's making it into an ephod. So Gideon refused to be king. Hey, great move, Gideon. But we learned that this move was not really an act of humility. So Gideon refused to be king. And by refusing to be king, he is putting on an air of humility. You know, humility, according to Hallman's Bible Dictionary, is defined this way. The personal quality of being free from arrogance and pride and having an accurate estimate of one's worth. So false humility is really a twisted form of pride. It may seem kind of strange to say that somebody with a low self-esteem has an issue with pride. We tend to think of pride as somebody who is overly confident, somebody who's arrogant, kind of a smug attitude or a smug disposition or an overinflated sense of self. But the flip side of that coin is when we view ourselves as worthless and possess an inferior or too low of an estimation of ourselves, pride can creep in that way. Basically, pride causes us to have either too high or too low of an opinion of ourselves, or to believe that our opinion of ourselves is more important than God's opinion of us. I found a very helpful explanation of the word pride. In the midst of pride is always I. So when we spell out the word pride, one side of pride is PR, which is personal reputation. You see, pride bolsters and protects its personal reputation. On the other side of the I is, in the word pride, the letters D-E, which fearlessly accept that we stand for this tradition of being a false pride, which is a devalued estimation, or a a false humility. You see, false humility occurs when we don't submit to God. We don't submit to His will. And we fearlessly accept what He has done for us. You see the bottom line. Pride skews the way we see ourselves. 
and ultimately leads us away from God. Proverbs 29, 23 says that pride ends in humiliation where humility begins to honor. So I encourage you today, look at these two points that we've covered and join me tomorrow as we carry on this theme. What does God value? He values quality over quantity. He values genuine humility over false humility. Join me tomorrow as we continue on this theme. And the purpose of this message is to encourage you to to not give up. God will come through. He always does at just the right time. Well, if I can help you, if I can pray for you, would you send me a text message at 252-267-2365? 252-267-2365. Thank you so much for joining me today. So Lord, may we take the lesson that we've learned through Gideon, apply it to our lives. May we be more interested in in living in genuine humility and living filled with genuine qualities of Christ-like characteristics. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. If you'd like to hear this broadcast again, you can have a free download at buzzsprout.com backslash 1890557, or you can listen on Amazon, Spotify, Google Podcast, and Apple Podcast. Hickory Ridge Community Church is located at 3320 Battlefield Boulevard South in Chesapeake, Virginia. Sunday service times are 9 a.m. and 1030 a.m. We'd love for you to join us. For more information, go to hrcc7.org. And remember, no matter what you're going through, in Jesus Christ, there is always hope for your heart.